somehow we've gotten it backwards after 2,000 years. We pray all about, hey, can we go to heaven one day? And what Jesus actually taught was pray to see heaven come here. That's what he's after. That's who we are. That's what we carry. That's the responsibility that we have. Uh, the first week that we were together, we reminded ourselves that the kingdom really is a spiritual reality that transforms this natural world. It has the ability to come and to set things right, to see the will of the king carried out in the earth. And uh, it doesn't always come the way we expect it to, or it doesn't conform to our opinions, but it's always right. Can I get at least one amen on that point? When, when the will of the king happens, it's always right, no matter what's going on. And then the, the second week, we actually shared last week that it's our responsibility to see the kingdom come. God, for whatever reason, God has limited his intervention in our realm to the extent that we invite him in and that we declare and use the authority that he's given us. So we have part of that job, that responsibility. We don't just sit back and wait, God, you come and make everything right. We have the authority to go and declare and to do something about the situations we see in life. In our relationships, seeing healing come to people, bringing relief to people, that's part of the kingdom that we carry. And uh, speaking of kingdoms, who has ever been to Disney World? Uh, Oh, wow. That's a lot of hands in the room. If you've been to Disney World, why do you go? Is it for the mouse? Is it for the the food? We go because it's magical. It's a magic kingdom. Come on. It's It's not even an eternal, unshakable kingdom. It's just a plain old magic kingdom. And yet half the people in the room raise their hands. I've, been to, I've made the pilgrimage to Disney World to, to go see the mouse and be in the magic kingdom. How many of you know what the current price is to get into the magic kingdom? Who's been recently? You know, some of you are like, well, it was $50 when I... On off days, off peak days, it's $115 a day right now to get into the Magic Kingdom. So what I'm, and as I was thinking about this this week, can you imagine paying $115, and that's off peak, so that's, it could be more, paying $115 to get in the Magic Kingdom, and you walk in the front door, and you just sit there. Has anybody ever done that? Maybe some of the curmudgeons among us. Maybe that's your idea of a great day at the Magic Kingdom. Just let me park right there. I see that hand back there. Come on, nobody in this room, if we're being honest, nobody in this room is going to say, I'm going to pay all that money so I can walk in the front door of the Magic Kingdom and just sit there all day. And you may say, oh, well, I, I can see Splash Mountain from where I'm sitting. Come on, there was a difference between seeing things in the kingdom and participating in them. Right? right? You, you get to actually, when you get in the entrance of the kingdom, that's part of the deal is you get to walk around and explore and you get to participate in the activities that are going on. I don't have to just look at that roller coaster from a difference. I can actually go get on it. And I can experience it and see things happen. And it's very similar. Our, our entrance to God's kingdom cost a whole lot more than $115. It, it was worth the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. Yeah. Yeah. And for some reason, sometimes we as Christians, even though it's more than $115, sometimes we think about God's kingdom the same way. We walk in and we just sit down. Well, I'm, I'm saved. Great. I'm going to watch all these other people do the ministry and see things from a distance. Seeing from a distance is different than participating. And it's the same thing, the same way that we would never go and pay all that money to walk in the magic kingdom and just sit by the front door. There's so much to be experienced in God's kingdom. 
and the, and the power, the authority that he's given us to carry his message and to do the stuff, to see things happen in the world, that we don't have to just sit on the sidelines. There's more to be experienced. There's a whole abundant life out there for us. And he wants us to carry that to the other people in the world. And so as I was thinking about that, this week to wrap up the series, I just want to talk a little bit about how can we position ourselves to see more of the kingdom happening in our lives. To, to not just sit by the front door when we walk in the kingdom and watch everybody else, but to see it happen in our lives. And, and make no mistake about it, come on. Just like getting saved, you can't earn seeing the kingdom happen, right? How many, how many of you got saved through works? You're, you're in the wrong place if you're raising your hand on that one. We get saved through what Jesus did for us. I simply believe that he is the son of God, that he went to the cross, and that God raised him again for me. It's the same thing with the kingdom. I can't produce it in my own strength. I can't make it happen, but I can position myself in a way that sees more of it flow in my life. And that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, I think the, the first one, I kind of I said it already, but the first one, the first step that we have to take to see the kingdom of God, to experience it, to enter into it, is we have to be born again. And sometimes we hear that and we think this is what it means. If you go to that next picture, uh, we think we're bored again, Christians. Yeah, and three people laughed. So that's, in what world is that funny? In my world, that was hilarious. But, and maybe if that's, I hope that's not what, I see all your faces. That's usually not what they look like. We, we don't have bored again Christians every week where we're coming and just doing the same thing and it's rote and routine. We live an exciting, abundant life. We are born again Christians. And, and uh, John, if you remember the story, Jesus, uh, Nicodemus came to see him at night. He was a teacher of the law. He was one of the Pharisees. He came to see Jesus. And in John chapter 3, one of the reasons that he came to see Jesus is because they had been seeing amazing stuff happen. They, they realized, that, if you read that story, Nicodemus actually says to him, teacher, we recognize you were sent by God because nobody could do the stuff you're doing unless God was with him. What was Nicodemus asking? Whether or not he realized it, Nicodemus was wanting to know, how is the kingdom happening right now? We, we talk about it all the time. We've got the law and the prophets. We've got all these scriptures. And we haven't seen a bit of what you're doing in the land today. How is that happening? And this was Jesus' response to him. Uh, he talks to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 3. He says, in reply, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. If you are a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been born again. I, I think over the years, born again has gotten a bad rap in some circles. Do you ever, do you ever hear somebody say, oh, are you one of those born again Christians? Anybody ever hear that? You're, I see some people nodding your head. You've had that thrown at you. Uh, there is no other kind of Christian. If, if, if you have been saved, if you are a believer, you have been made a new creation. You have been born from above. You are a born-again Christian. So what, what, please erase whatever negative connotations might be in your mind associated with that term. That just means that you're a Christian. When it, when it says you've been born again, you are a believer, you are saved, you're a Christian. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, that's the first step to even seeing the kingdom. 
So when he says you can't even see the kingdom, Jesus is literally talking about being able to perceive it and experience it. That's what that word means if you study it out. He says once you get saved, if you are born again, part of the inheritance, part of the miracle that God does in our lives is he gives us the ability to see, to perceive, and experience a supernatural spiritual kingdom. The the average person, without Jesus, the average person can't even comprehend what's going on. They would, they would be just like Nicodemus, like, how's that happening? Like, I'm living my life over here, and, and I'm not seeing any of that. I have no idea how that's happening, because they can't perceive it. But once we get born again, we enter into it, we see it, we begin to experience and perceive it. So Jesus is talking with Nicodemus about being a Christian gives you the ability to become aware of something that you couldn't see before. And having the authority of the name of Jesus being believers gives us the ability to see the kingdom come in our lives. He goes on uh, in verse 5 to tell Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. And uh, that's that's one of those things, there's been a lot of different interpretations of it. I kind of like and lean towards the one that says Jesus used water and Spirit to remind Nicodemus of what happened in creation. The Spirit was hovering over the waters. And it was formless and void. And God spoke and said, let there be light. And he says, you need to have that recreation happening in you to enter into the kingdom. When we get born again, we become uh, a new creation is what Corinthians tells us. The old is gone and the new has come. And that's part of the picture Jesus is giving to Nicodemus. Just like the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters and made something completely new that had not existed before come to pass. That's what he wants to do in your life. He says, that gets you in. That's like having your ticket to Magic Kingdom. I walk in the front door, now what? But that is the first step to be born again and to get into the kingdom. But there is so much more to see. So we have to be born again. And then I think the next way we position ourselves to see the kingdom come in our lives is we have to start acting like new people. How many of you know you're a new person? Again, like... Half the, hand, the same people that have been to the Magic Kingdom raise their hands. You know you're a new person. Maybe the rest of you, you need to book your plane ticket and go to Disney to come back and realize I'm a new creation now. That's what you're holding out for. We are new creations. We need to start acting like it. That's what God is after in our lives. So Paul's writing this letter in Corinthians. He's writing to a church, and he says this to them. Uh, do you not know, in verse 9 of chapter 6, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. And then he goes and gives a list of really bad people. Come on. We, if I asked in this room who, what's on that list without even looking, we probably fill it in with whatever sin we think is the worst. Right? That, that's, that's what is in our mind, whether it's uh, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals are on that list, maybe Ravens fans. Uh, uh, I got an amen from Greg. <laughs> whatever, whatever it is, there's, there's some things on the list that Paul says, those are the wicked things that people are doing, neither the sexually immoral, the idolaters, the adulterers, the prostitutes, homosexual offenders, thieves, greedy, drunkards, slanders, swindlers. None of them will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, when I read this verse, I don't think this is just talking about what happens in eternity. I do, I do think there is an eternal... What, come on, what, what affects our eternal destination? Is it how you've acted? It's what you believe about Jesus. 
So in, in one sense, I don't think he's limiting this to a discussion of what happens after you die. How many of you have ever inherited something? How did you get what you inherited? Is it because you died? Somebody else died, and that's how I inherited it. Come on, it doesn't make sense to say, hey, I've, Pam, you've, we've got a million dollars for you, and you're going to get it as soon as you pass away. Like, that's not how it works. The inheritance comes because somebody else dies, and it comes into my life. And that's exactly how we inherit the kingdom, is Jesus died, and it begins to operate. The kingdom has the ability to come and to flow and to manifest in my life because he died. And so when he's telling, when Paul's telling the Corinthian church this thing, come on, if you read all of chapter 6, he was in the middle of a discussion of, hey, it's really important how you treat each other. He's talking about very natural things. Hey, you guys have been taking each other to court. Come on, even the pagans, like, they get along better than that. And he's, he's telling them, this is how you should act towards one another. This is how Christian love flows. This is how you should treat your neighbor. And then he gives this list and says, hey, wicked people don't see the kingdom operating in their lives. They don't inherit it and see it come to see it manifest in their lives. Come on, I believe un, unregenerated people won't see the kingdom in eternity or now, whatever. But Christians, even Christians who have entered into the kingdom and have Jesus in our lives and the Holy Spirit living in us, we have a hard time seeing the kingdom come when we keep doing those kind of things. This, this, I think of it this way. Jesus saved me. He started a river of living water flowing out of me. That's what Jesus told his followers. There's a river of life in you. I believe that there's a river in me that would give life everywhere I go. But when I sin, when I continue to do those things that are on the wicked list, I picture it just like throwing a rock in that stream. And I begin to dam up that stream from flowing and producing life to anybody else. And when I continue to do those things, pretty soon it's, it's hard for people to even see the kingdom as a little trickle coming out of my life. Does that make sense to everybody? Because what, what I believe about Jesus seals my eternal destiny. I believe he died on the cross. He's the Lord of all. He, he, I am saved. But when I do those things on that list, I don't see the kingdom coming in my life the way he desires it to. Come on, what sin, what is, what is the wages of sin? The kingdom is all about life. And anytime we continue to engage in sin, we re-empower death in our lives. And it's working the exact opposite of the kingdom that God wants to produce in us. A couple other places in, in his epistles, Paul says, why would you put your members back under bondage to sin? Why would you continue to do stuff that God set you free from? And that's exactly what he's saying in this passage. He's saying, stop acting like old people. And I don't mean that in age. <laughs> Just make that clear. I had, a, I had a bunch of people give me a look all of a sudden like, what, what are you talking about? I don't mean old people in terms of age. I mean the old you. Because he's saying, hey, you used to do those things, but that's not you anymore. And this, this is Paul's version of telling the Corinthian church, stop it. All that stuff on that list, as Christians, at a minimum, we shouldn't be doing these things anymore because we want to see the kingdom flow in our lives. 
This, this is what he says in the very next verse, in verse 11 of chapter 6, after he gives that whole bad list of what they did and it stops the kingdom from flowing. He says, that's what some of you were. And he says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Paul's saying, you don't have to live that way anymore. You can actually see the kingdom flow because you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified. You are new people, and we need to act like new people. I don't stop sinning because I'm trying to make God happy or earn my way to get something from him. I stop sinning because I've seen him face to face. I've experienced his love and his forgiveness in my life. I'm, I'm stopped sinning because I want to experience the abundant life that he has for me. And Paul says, hey, if you do those things, you don't inherit the kingdom. You don't see it flowing in your life and see that abundant life come. I, I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me. I want every bit of the abundant life that Jesus promised us. And part of the way to do that and experience that is to begin to act like new people. And that's what he has for us. Come on. Right? It's, it's funny. There, I didn't put it on the screen, but the verse right after that, Paul immediately says, everything is permissible, but not everything is profitable. How many of you have ever heard that verse? He, he's, he's literally saying in that moment, I have been so set free by what Jesus did for me on the cross that I really could do anything. But it's not beneficial for me to do anything I want. Well, why is it not beneficial? Do you ever think of that? It's not beneficial because sin re-empowers death in our lives and keeps the kingdom from flowing. That's why Paul says it's not beneficial. I'd rather be walking in life than walking in death. And so even though Jesus has set me free from all of that, I could do it if I wanted. But I'd rather experience the life he has for me. One, one last verse on this thought in Philippians chapter 1. It says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Come on, we talked all through this series about we are citizens of heaven, we are ambassadors, we are the ones, we are kingdom people. We need to conduct ourselves like it. So when we start to act like new people, we begin to see the kingdom flow more in our lives. So we're, we're born again, we, we live like new people. I think another way that we position ourselves to see the kingdom to come is we have to be humble. How many of you know that you don't know everything? How many of you that became more of a real truth the older you got? Like, I can remember a time in my life where I knew everything. And the older I got, the more I realized I don't know everything in my life. And it becomes increasingly clear and apparent to me the older I get and the more I walk in this life. We have to be humble to realize I need somebody else who's greater than me to intervene in my life. And in uh, Matthew 18, uh, Jesus was talking with his disciples. I, I love some of the disciples' questions. It says, at that time, they came to Jesus and said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? How do you think that conversation went among the disciples before somebody got brave enough to ask Jesus about that? Don't we do the same thing? How many of you in the room have siblings? Have you ever, have you ever argued with your siblings about, hey, dad likes me best? I don't know. I've, I've heard some really crazy things that people have told their siblings, <laughs> and I'm not going to go into any of those right now. I imagine that's kind of how that conversation was going. Like, 
hey, I am going to be the chief apostle. He's going to give me the big name tag, and you just be in the back. Maybe you could carry my fishing nets. Like, I don't know how it went, but whether they, they realized it or not, whether it came out of an argument, how many of you know the disciples asked some really good questions? Who is the greatest in the king? How do I get to be great in the kingdom? At, at its very core, I think that's a question that we should all ask. How, how do I get to be great in the kingdom? I, I want to see the kingdom come. I want to be an ambassador for him, a great citizen of heaven. How do I see that happen? And so they, they're asking Jesus this question, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And what does Jesus do? In verse 2, it says, he had a little child come stand among them. Like that's, I don't know, that's not my first place I would go with that question when the disciples asked me. But Jesus turns around. I, I love the fact that there are always little kids around the ministry of Jesus. You know, the disciples always were trying to brush him off to the side, like, hey, leave the teacher alone. But there were kids around all the time because Jesus loved people. And they felt value. They felt worth. Come on, they were living in a culture where, where children and women didn't have a lot of value. And those were people that Jesus always included in his ministry. And he turns around and he has this little kid come and stand in the middle of them. And then Jesus turns to them and says, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus uses this example to turn around and tell them, you guys need to change. And I don't know, they're probably thinking, come on, I I just got done being a little kid like that. I had my bar mitzvah. I got a job on my dad's boat. I don't know what it was. But they're thinking, why would I want to go be a little kid again? And Jesus is actually telling them, you need to change and become like this little kid if you want to see the kingdom happen in your life. I think it's very amazing that uh, Jesus picked somebody for an example who had no standing under the law. It was somebody the, the law didn't apply to them. They couldn't learn the scriptures yet. They weren't an adult. I think it's fascinating that he says, I'm taking somebody who's not even under the law and has no responsibilities associated with it and telling you you have to be like him. And then Jesus says, the key to it all is humility. You have to be humble like this little kid. I I look at that story. The first thing the little kid did is when Jesus said, come here, he said, okay. How many of us won't say okay when Jesus says, come here? Like, talk about the need to be humble. He's standing over there with the poor and the sick and the brokenhearted saying, hey, come over here. And I won't even cross the street to come where he asked me to come. That's the first thing, this little kid standing over there. Jesus says, hey, come here. Okay, yes, sir. What are you going to do? Are you going to make me an example in front of everybody? Or are you going to crack jokes? He didn't know. Yet he just said, yes, Jesus. I'll come and I'll stand here and I'll do what you asked me to do. That's the first step to humility is just saying, Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me to do it. I saw, what was it? Marissa posted something about, hey, I wanted to go left and God said go right. Something like that, right? How many of you, God, interrupts your plans that way? Man, I had a plan, an agenda. I had a whole list of things I was going to get done for you today, God. And Jesus is saying, hey, do this instead. That's the first step in humility and seeing the kingdom flow in our lives is when we agree to do what he wants us to do. Sometimes it's hard for some of us, but sometimes what might be on his agenda is, hey, just, just worship me. Spend a little time with me today. I'm not not so interested in all those tasks you had on your list. I just want to be with you. 
For some of us, that's a scary thought. I'm, I'd rather have the list. Can I check off what you want me to do today? And he's saying, just come and hang out with me. Whatever it may be, he says, be humble like this little child, and you'll see the kingdom come. I don't, I know, I don't know it all. I can't produce the kingdom in my own strength, but I need you, Jesus. And that causes it to flow in our lives. Uh, this is the last thing I want to share, and then we'll get out of here today. Uh, we can be born again. We can act like new people. We need to be humble. I think we need to change our expectations. We need to expect to see the kingdom increase in our lives. The pattern is that the kingdom always increases. It's, it's happened since Isaiah prophesied, hey, unto us a son is born. The increase of his government and peace will know no end. There is a pattern that the kingdom always increases. And in Matthew chapter 13... Jesus tells them a couple parables about the kingdom. The first one, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. How many of you know that God's activity often starts small in our lives, but it continues to grow? I, I, come on, imagine Jesus Everything that he came to do to teach, to save the world, to destroy the works of the devil, imagine him picturing everything that he came to do like this tiny little seed. And he just drops it in the earth. And then he sits back to wait to see what it's going to produce. We, we picture, oh, if, if I would have been the king of glory and come to earth, I would have set things right, right off the bat. I would have gotten my followers, established the rules, had a city where everybody... Like we think in big terms and God's thinking in seed form. And that's almost all the time how he operates in our lives. He gives us a seed of his kingdom that begins to grow and begins to produce. Sometimes there's situations we go through that cause it to get a little water. Sometimes it gets a little sunlight. Sometimes that seed gets a little fertilizer dumped on it. Come on, that's just the reality of how it works in our lives and how he grows things in us. And that's how the kingdom starts. When we're praying all these things about, Lord, we want your kingdom to come. We want people to get healed. We want the hungry to be fed. All these different things. And sometimes it starts in seed form. And we have to be patient enough to let it grow. That's, it, it pains me sometimes when people short-circuit the, the work of God in their lives because it doesn't come on the schedule they want it to come on. And here it came in seed form and it begins to grow We can't get frustrated and give up because we're not seeing results fast enough. Uh, Then Jesus goes on in verse 33 of Matthew 13. He says that he also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast that a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. It's just in the natural, three, three measures of flour, she just put in a little yeast. Uh, scripture says, uh, if you study the commentary, that would have turned into enough bread to feed about 300 people. Just from saying, hey, I'm putting this little bit of yeast in the dough and covering it over and letting it work. I think in that, in that picture, the, the, the yeast goes into the dough. The dough represents the world. And Jesus dropped the, the kingdom into the middle of the world when he came and lived his life and went to the cross. What they, what they did back then is they would have had a big jar of the flour and they would have put the yeast in it and covered it over. And that started a process that was irreversible and unstoppable. Once, once the yeast gets in there, that dough's going to rise. You can't stop it. You can't get it back out. I, I'm not a baker. I've never done it. But could you pick some yeast back out once you drop it in the dough? 
I'm seeing at least three of the ladies that bake in this room. They're, they're looking at me like, no, it's in there. You can't get it out. So trust me on that. I've got, I've got experienced bakers in the room telling, verifying my story. Once you put it in, it's irreversible and unstoppable. It's going to start spreading throughout the whole lump and begin to cause it to rise. Jesus, I, th- I think it's funny that they used three measures of flour. Because Jesus went in a tomb and it was covered over for three days and he released something into the world that's unstoppable and irreversible. And it's working its way through the entire world until every enemy has made his footstool. <laughs> Come on. There, there is good news that we carry. We're part of something unstoppable in the world. We, we, get, we throw up our hands and we want to give up because something went bad this morning at 9.30. I got held up for five minutes in traffic. And Jesus has made us part of something that can't be stopped in the world. Even the gates of hell can't prevail against what he's doing. Talk about good news that we carry and we are people of the kingdom. Come on. I think we get what we expect in this world. Right. There, and, and especially, come on, doubly so, if you're a Christian standing in the authority and the name of Jesus, I believe we get what we begin to declare and expect. And if we're not expecting to see the kingdom increase and come in our lives, I think we need to repent. Come on, at its core, repent means change your mind and your thinking. And then it comes out in your actions, right? If we are not expecting to see the kingdom increase in our lives, we need to repent and to change our minds and say, Lord, I'm going to come into agreement with your word and how things work in your timetable, in your kingdom. I want to see what you want to do come in my life, and I'm going to get rid of this thinking that says, oh, it's, it's going to go downhill, it's hopeless. You know, they've got the baby hooked up to the monitor. It's, it's just all downhill. There's no good that could ever come out of this situation. We need to stop that. That, that is stinking thinking, and we need to stop that and change and say, I'm expecting to see the kingdom come in my life. Ah, we want to be born again. We want to act like new people. We want to stay humble, and we want to change our expectations to say, Lord, I believe that you're going to see increase happen in your life. This is, this is what I want us to do before we leave today. Uh, if you're in this room and you've never, ever started a relationship with Jesus, this is a great day to do that. <laughs> it, it really is as simple as believing that he's the son of God, that he died on the cross for our sins, and that God raised him from the dead on the third day. We believe it in our heart. We confess it with our mouth. We're saved. If you've never started a relationship with Jesus, uh, I'd, I'd invite you to come up front as soon as I dismiss. We'd love to pray with you and introduce you to him. It's, a, it's a, an abundant life. It's a world that you've never expected or experienced before. And if you're in this room and you're already a believer, uh, this is what I want us to do before we go today. Uh, I'm going to ask you to find somebody next to you and pray with them. Not, not a long prayer. We're not, we're not trying to get the whole 66 books of the Bible in before we leave today. I just, I just want short, focused prayers. But we're going we're gonna to find somebody next to us And first, I just want you to say it out of your mouth so we're all on the same page. I expect the kingdom to come. Like, like actually verbalize that to the person next to you. I believe and I expect to see the kingdom increase in my life. That's what we're going to say to one another. And then I just want you to pray like a 30-second prayer for them. Like, maybe the prayer that you're wanting to see in your life. Like, God, I want your kingdom to come in these areas. Pray that for the person next to you. Pray for them like you'd like somebody to pray for you. How many, of, how many of us stay in that place? Like, man, the things I pray for myself are amazing. Like, but, 
if I would just start praying that for other people, maybe I see more of that happen in here. So that those prayers that we pray for ourselves that are so made, we want to see all these amazing things happen in our lives. Let's pray that for the person next to us. Can we do that today before we go? You, you can stand up if you want to. Find somebody near you. First thing, just tell them, I expect to see the kingdom increase in my life. And then take 30 seconds just to pray for each other. Say, Lord, let your kingdom come in their life. You don't don't have to be a Bible scholar to pray that prayer. Lord, let your kingdom come in their life. I want to see it.